Amen. You know, as we get started this morning, we've got some special guests. Joe, where is Joe? Now see, Joe, that's not Baptist. You can't move from back under here. You've sat there for the last five years. Joe's got some special guests with him, and we're honored to have the North family with us today. They're missionaries of the Philippines, and we're able to speak in Joe's class. They have a long-time relationship with Joe and Becky, and would you welcome them today? Welcome, you guys. Thank y'all for being here. Yeah. We're always grateful when any of our missionaries are back from the field and with us, and God bless you guys today, and I know it's good to be with Joe and Becky. You know, uh, we are entering into just one of the most fascinating and fun passages of Scripture that I can imagine jumping into, right? Did you leave with more questions last week than you had answers? Me too. Do you have more questions after this week? Me too. Well, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the duality of something that is not perfectly answered for us on earth, aren't we? We're dealing with the fact, as we talked about last week, that God unfurls these spiritual blessings for us. And one of them is this doctrine, as we studied last week, of election, that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in him. And you remember we talked about that last week in terms of just really wrestling with the fact that there are kind of two train tracks that, or I guess I should say train tracks, and there's two rails that, that obviously are parallel with one another. And on the one hand, what you see is, uh, you know, did I have a choice? Yeah, you did. And we're grateful that you chose the Lord. And on the other side of this is that God was moving and doing something in your life that quickened your heart, right? That your eyes were illuminated and Holy Spirit, we understand, it's convicting the world of these three things. I'm gonna say it over and over again. Sin, righteousness, judgment. That's the Spirit's work in our lives. But God's the actor in all of these things. And remember, we talked about the whole counsel of the word of God. I don't want any of us to get messed up in that because I think if you lose sight of that, what starts to happen is you start to have fractures and splinters in, in, in what your theology says because what we have to do is wrestle with all of this understanding that scripture interprets scripture. And today we really get to the second blessing. That sounded very Pentecostal. Let's run that back for a second. The second blessing listed, you know, and uh, we'll get to the second blessing another time. That's for another sermon. Uh, but the second blessing that Paul lists for us as he enumerates these, this number of things that God has given to us through Christ Jesus that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of his return. Praise God for that. So if you would, we're going to look at the, the blessing of adoption this week. And we're also going to see that it's not just a blessing, but there's actually an expectation that comes with it that is really important for us to see. So let's read Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to read verses five and six. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, the praise in his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. The beloved one is Jesus. As Paul begins to talk about this, I think it's important for us to, to kind of think about this conceptually a little bit in the modern era as a church. Because perhaps there has never been a time where we have understood the blessing of what adoption means like we do right now. When I was growing up, and maybe it was not this way for you, but it was certainly this way for me, I only knew one person that I can recall to my mind 
who was adopted, and he found out he was adopted when we were 18. His parents told him and told him about his adopted, uh, that they had adopted him, and, and I think put him in touch with his family. You know, was, he was able to do that, his, his birth mom and dad. That was, it was just a little bit unusual. Today in the church, we, we've kind of brought that as a front and center issue. And it's not, I, I would say this, I mean, maybe it's not for you, but for me, it's not unusual anymore for us to meet people and they say, oh, we're in the process of adopting or we have adopted or we have done uh, adoption seminars here at the church with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home so that people could do respite care. I think you guys, my sister and brother-in-law took that class to, you know, so they could do respite care for foster families. And uh, I, I certainly, to say that I walked through this process with a family is probably a, an overstatement, but to say that I observed it closely would be, and contrary uh, to, to wa- watching this family walk through their adoption process, well, it wasn't a secret at all. In fact, when they adopted their son, they threw a big party and invited everybody and called it Gotcha Day. You know, it was kind of a, a celebration moment uh, for their family. And so we have a little bit better, I think, maybe understanding of this and a little bit maybe truer picture, certainly than they did in the Old Testament, because it's not really a word that was ever mentioned kind of in the same vein that we're talking about here. Now, I want you to understand something, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be as clear as I possibly can with these things. Last week, we talked about the fact that God's purposes met us somewhere before the, the, the creation of the world. And do you remember we kind of went through it with the two songs? Do you remember that? We talked about that there, that there are two songs that maybe we grew up singing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and aren't you glad you did, right? Amen to that. Come on now. Come on. Come on now. Uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? But then the second thing we would say is that before we ever sang that song, Jesus loved me, this I know, right? That, that God was moving towards us because the scripture says that we were running from him. I mean, we were, we were, do you ever just feel like, I mean, that you were on a crash course for hell? That was where I was headed, right? Until God met me and changed my life. And, and I, I think that's really important for us to understand. When we read this passage of scripture that we just read, the first remembrance that I ever have of reading it was a Sunday school teacher reading it when I was in the ninth grade. And he said, we have been predestined to be adopted. And I was like, that cannot be right. Nope. God didn't predestine all of this. This is messed up. I had free will. Well, I have decided to follow you. Yes, you did. Absolutely. And yet there's this second thing here. And I want you to see this because I believe that it really is the second thing First, we're called unto salvation. And if I could kind of frame it for you in, in this context, it's that second, we're adopted. It doesn't just stop with that we've been saved. Think about it like this for me. And I wish I'd have said this in the first service. It actually came through a conversation I was having in between the services because I do think this would have made it a little bit clearer. Do you remember the prodigal son story? That's, that's probably one of my favorites, right? Do you ever feel like you were the prodigal son ever in your life as a believer? The prodigal son is a story that Jesus told when he's going through the parables of lostness. There's the lostness of the sheep, the 99 and the one that was lost, the lostness of the coin, and this lady sweeps the whole house looking for the one coin. But then he says, and it's just like the kingdom of God can be compared to the story of a son who left the father's house, took all the inheritance with him, and he decided he was going to squander it, right? I mean, this is not a point to say, man, okay? But quietly, don't you know that you've lived there too? I've lived there too, right? I mean, we, we've had the blessings of God and we run away from that or whatever. And do you remember the prodigal son recognizes, comes to his senses and said, when he came to himself, the scripture says, 
He turned around and went home reasoning with himself, hey, I'm just gonna show up and I'm gonna say, dad, I messed up, I've sinned, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What did he say? Just let me be a slave. And what did the father say? Uh-uh, nope. Go get a coat and bring it for my son. Go get a ring and bring it for my son. I don't know about you, but I'd be just happy to be saved. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be just happy to miss hell. Would you, can I get a witness to that? Like, anybody be just happy to miss hell? That would be enough, right? It's just like, Lord, if you would let me just hang out on the outer skirts of heaven, I'm good. I mean, like, that, that's good enough. And what Paul says here is that God takes it a step further and that before the creation of the world, he said, I'm gonna have a family for myself. That's true, but I'm gonna do something even more than that. I'm going to adopt them and I'm gonna let them be heirs with Christ. That's amazing. I want you to just think about that. Well, there, there are some things that in the Baptist church that coronavirus has brought that I'm, I miss. Like I, I miss that we used to shake hands at the welcome. Some of you are like, I'm glad we don't do that anymore. I'm, I didn't like shaking hands with everybody catching your germs and getting sick and stuff, you know? But I, I miss that. I don't miss the, the, like, hold hands with somebody you don't know across the aisle and let's all sing. I don't, I don't miss that. Uh, I hope we never, ever bring that back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we usually leave that. That just needs to go in the past. I don't want to hold your hand. You don't want to hold mine. Let's just, <laughs> good to see you. You know, all that, right? But when I was a kid growing up, we used to sing this song for a long time that was part of our welcome and I, I don't think I ever really understood what it meant. It said, we're joint heirs with Jesus as we travel, right? We're traveling along and we're joint heirs with Jesus. That's an incredible statement and it's fleshed out for us right here. And, and this idea of adoption in the Old Testament is something I said before that they didn't really have. It might show up just a little bit in the prophet Hosea chapter 11, maybe it's verse one, I think, where it says that God chose Israel out of slavery and he brought them out. It's kind of like God's looking around at all these worthy kingdoms and he says, no, I'm, I'm gonna adopt you guys. I'm bringing you out. But remember in the Old Testament that the adoptive process was a little bit different because do you remember something that was called Leverite marriage? Do you remember that? It's kind of a weird thing. There was this time that Jesus was trying to be tricked by a group of people called the Sadducees three ruling classes of Jewish folks in, in the New Testament, Old Testament. You have Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. And it's really easy to distinguish this. I've said it before, get ready to laugh. It's a chuckle, but if I say it, you'll remember it. The Sadducees were different from the Pharisees because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were Sadducee. See, I mean, got it, right? But you know it now, right? You're not gonna forget that. So what did they do? They came to Jesus and they said, hey, we've got a little question for you here, teacher. There was a guy, he was married, and he dies. Second brother in Leverite marriage comes and tries to have a child with this lady. He marries her so that the man's name, the first brother, his name can be perpetuated out, right? It's an Old Testament concept. He dies, no heir. Third guy, fourth guy, fifth guy, sixth guy, seven, right? All these, all these guys, they die, Nobody has a child with this lady. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? You remember what Jesus said? Well, in the resurrection, it's not like it is here because we don't give in marriage and take in marriage. Now, I've always wondered this, and I asked the first service, and a couple of people nervously laughed. Are some of you excited about eternity because you're looking forward to not being married for eternity? (laughs) 
Somebody just got an elbow, right? It's kind of a funny thing, right? I mean, you think about it, it's going to be different, isn't it? But why were they asking that question? Why were they trying to do that? Because it was based on this Levite marriage concept. It, it, it was just different, right? It wasn't like it is today. You had to produce an heir in there, and it just kind of went on. So in the New Testament, though, in Roman culture, adoption is something that they see often. There was an emperor who chose an heir to be adopted in, and, and, and he gets to take everything. And in the New Testament concept, we see this a couple of different times. We see it in Romans chapter 8. We see it in Romans chapter 9. You see it in Galatians chapter 4. You see it here as well that we have been adopted. And, and Kirk quoted this from John, that God gave them the right to be called the sons of God. And I want you to think about this because when we talk about this idea of predestination, what was God doing? Well, what it meant was that God decided beforehand, not only was he going to save us, that's great. I'm so glad that God saved us. He takes it a step further and says, your next blessing in this is that God didn't just leave you saved, hanging out on the outer rim of heaven somewhere, your family. You're brought in and you were given all of the rights and responsibilities, the expectations to be a child of God. Now, I want you to read this passage with me. They'll throw it up on the screen for us, but it comes out of Romans chapter eight. And you probably know verse 28, or at least you've heard somebody quoted, all things work together for good of those who love God are called according to his purpose. Great verse. Verse 29 and 30, for those he foreknew, he also predestined, there's that word again, to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There's that family aspect again. And he says it again, he predestined and called those he called and he also justified them as he justified and he glorified them. I mean, that's crazy, right? And so like when I read that verse the first time, I thought, okay, that's great. I can wrestle with this predestination thing. It's like, God saved me. Yes, that's awesome. And now God's called me to be part of his family. He predestined me, but he did it because he knew I was gonna choose him. There's that foreknowledge piece of it. I don't think that that's exactly right. I don't think that it works that way because if it was based on God knowing that I was gonna make the right choice or whatever, then that's something that I did. And the Bible says that all of us were on that crash course to hell. I think what God is trying to say to us here is that, it's not just that we've been saved. That's great. I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus loved me. It meets somehow in the mystery of salvation, bigger than what maybe we can understand. Uh, it's greater than we can understand. Somebody once said it like this. It's like when you walk into heaven, there'll be a banner over the door that said, whosoever will may come and you'll walk in and see I chose you before the foundation of the world as you look back. I mean, I don't know. Remember what we said last week is that it's not an argument. It's a statement of fact. God chose us, okay. Did I have free will? Yes. How do we reconcile that? I just accept it. This is what the word of God says. But now, second blessing here that he's given me is that I'm in the family. I'm adopted. I'm brought in, chosen. And then it says as sons. Now, lady, this is not an exclusion for you guys. Because to be a son means that you're inheritable, right? That there are things that, that's not right. Hold on. Not that you're inheritable, that you have the ability to inherit. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Not that you are inheritable. That'd be weird. But that you can inherit. Now think about that for just a second. There's some things about that that kind of blow my mind. 
it, it's crazy to me that God would love any of us. Do, do, you, do you ever feel that way or are you one of those that's like, I know why he loves me. <laughs> Everybody loves me. I, I never feel that way. I'm always like, God knows who I am and Jesus died for me anyway. At the right time, he was revealed as the Christ. The mystery of salvation is unfolding. I've confessed with my mouth Jesus is Lord, believed that God raised him from the dead. He saved me. And it's not just that he saved me, he adopted me. And because of that, Romans, let's just kind of let's kind of go back there and stay there for just a second in chapter eight. Because it, it kind of just reminds me of this is that there's some things in here that are crazy. He predestined us. He called us. He justified us. He's going to glorify us. And do you remember as we preached about that at Christmas, what did we say? Those are things that in your salvation are coming. We're going to come back to that. They're coming. All right? Hang on to that for just a second. So why in the world did God do this? Because he wanted to because he wanted to. For the pleasure of his goodwill is what verse five says. That just means that he wanted to. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of my life where I haven't walked around where people just did nice things to me because they wanted to. I mean, do you, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's a reward. It says, hey, if you work hard and get this, we'll, we'll do this for you. Or sometimes it's your birthday and somebody, you know, they bring you a gift or something like that. But one time in my life really stands out to me where somebody showed me, I think, what this means kind of pretty closely. When I went to pastor my first church, it was a very different context than the context that we live in here. If you didn't hunt and fish, you were suspect, just to be honest with you. They thought you couldn't be trusted. And I had fished a good bit growing up, but I, we didn't hunt. My family was not. We, we didn't hunt a lot. We didn't grow up shooting guns, all that kind, kind of stuff all the time. And uh, it, it was just a little bit different. Uh, but when people would ask me, it's like, do you hunt? It was like, well, of course I do. I just never kill anything. I normally sleep when I'm out there. But yes, I hunt. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. I'm afraid I'm passing that on to my own kids. You know, we, we, we go out there and we sit around a lot. Uh, I'm not a big hunter today. It's, it's just not something that I love. But this guy in our church called me over to his house one day and said, hey, I want to tell you a little bit of my story. And his story was incredible. He had lived through so much tragedy and just seeing the faithfulness of God in every part of his story. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. I was, I was really encouraged by that. And uh, he, he was just the sweetest guy. I mean, he just came to church and, and just loved our family and all this kind of stuff. And, and at the end of our time together, after he shared his story with me, he, he brought me back into this room and he said, I have something for you, I wanna give it to you. He said, I think you're going to need it. And he handed me a shotgun. And I thought, what kind of church is this, you know? <laughs> That I'm going to need. I'm like, they coming for me or what? <laughs> what do we need? You know, I don't know. I don't know. And he said, everybody here hunts. And this one, I fixed it up for you. It's ready to go. And I said, I, I can't take this. Give it to one of your kids. Give it to one of your grandkids. And he said, I've given it everything. They've got all they need, all that kind of stuff. I want you to have it. Why? Just because. Just because I do. It makes me happy. Somehow, the fact that God would save us through Christ and not just leave us on the outer kind of edge, but he would bring us close and say, you're adopted. That's good. And he did it because it makes him happy. Is that strange to you? It feels a little strange to me, doesn't it? Why? Because I wanted to. 
because I wanted to. You know, when I look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians, I think what I'm most kind of blown away with here is something that we've been learning if you've been going through the 20 days of prayer with us or what we call renewal conferences, 20 days of renewing our spirit. We're doing those devotionals. And, you know, I, I did all of those devotionals, but I don't remember them. And so I'm going back and listening to them just like you are every day and writing notes down and the Lord speaking to me through the word, different things. And if you've kind of come with us so far, good. If you haven't, start now. They're, they're undated, so you can start now. Find them on our website or iTunes, Spotify, any of those kind of places. But if you find them and you listen to the one we did this week, one of them was that we go to the Lord and we say, Our Father. Why can we say that? It's because we've been adopted. And Jesus was telling us something that Paul here is fleshing out that is beautiful. That word, and we kind of talked about it, dad, daddy, familiar. It's very different, right? Because if you know anything about the Old Testament, the Jews wouldn't even say his name. They revered it so much. They didn't want to say his name. And yet Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven. Last year when we were going through our renewal conference season, I was just doing a little bit of reading. And I was thinking about this kind of terminology and somebody that I was reading, I can't remember who it was. I, I wish I could. I'd, I'd quote it out, but it is burned in my brain. Talked about this idea of God being our father. And if he's our father, then he understands things about us that we don't even understand, right? He sees it differently than we do. Can I ask you a question? And I, you take the spiritual, this is, we're, gonna get a, we're gonna do a hand raise right here. Take the spiritual thing off. Have you ever fallen asleep while praying? Yeah, you have. Somebody's like, I did five minutes ago when you were talking, you know? <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. God knows you were tired. Do you know, I, I've done that. You know, isn't it, sometimes it's good. You go to sleep at night, like fall asleep praying. It's kind of a cool thing because you know that like the last thing on your mind was God and the last conscious thing that God could give to you was himself in that moment. I mean, it's just, it's pretty cool. But have, have you ever felt this way? Like you wake up in the morning and you go to meet the Lord and you start reading and maybe you're through the Bible reading program kind of thing and you're stuck in, you know, I don't know, Leviticus. <laughs> and you find yourself, Lord, I know this is important, but I'm having a hard, hard time. And you close the Bible and you start to pray and fall asleep. And this guy was saying, why would you think God would be mad at you for that? Don't you think he knows what you need? And that maybe that morning you just needed to rest with him. That's not permission to just sleep through your quiet time tomorrow. But it is permission to understand that when we approach him, it's like when, if you've ever had kids, you know, and it was story time and you get them up in your lap and they fall asleep, you don't kind of like, hey, I'm reading Humpty Dumpty, wake up. I mean, you don't, you don't do that, do you? You know what they need. Do you, do you picture that now? Do you see it? It's not just that he loved us. That's awesome. It's not just that he would save any of us. Incredible. 
But to take it a step further and say, I'm bringing you to a seat at the table, that blows me away. That God loved us so much that he would do that. Now, there's an expectation that comes with that, and we need to be real about this for just a second. When I was growing up, if you were to ask my sister, did we have a lot of rules? I don't think we did. We didn't have uh, a chart of rules at our house, like, hey, if you do this, then this is the consequence. Every consequence came with a spanking. I don't know why we would have had consequences. You know, it was just, that was the, on, that was the only one. It was like, ground you, forget that, come over here. You know, let's take care of this now. You know, uh, if I ground you, then I suffer, you know, or whatever, how it is, you know, that kind of thing. But you know, we, we, we had guidelines like guardrails, and there were two overarching things that we were told often. And I'm trying to impart this in our family to think about this is, you know, you don't ever do anything that would dishonor your family name. That, that's number one. Don't, we're all in this together. Don't do anything that's going to make me look bad. You know, I don't want to do anything that makes my sister look bad. My brother-in-law's over there. I might make him look bad. You know, but my sister, I, wanna, I don't want to make her look bad. I don't want to make my brother-in-law look bad, my niece, my other nieces, my other brother-in-law, my other sister-in-law. I don't, don't want to do that. My mom and dad, my wife, kids, grandparents who aren't with us, right? Because the scripture says something about that, doesn't it? A good name is to be highly desired over riches and, and all that, right? I mean, that's good. There's no greater compliment than when somebody looks at you and says, that's a good man. That's a great woman, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's good. That's gold, isn't it? When somebody looks at you and says, that, like, you know, if you know them, that's a good family. That's good people. Secondarily, we don't want to do anything that dishonors the Heavenly Father. That's, we were taught that too. Don't do anything. If you don't dishonor your family name and you don't dishonor the Heavenly Father's name, you've had a pretty good day. You've done okay. And you remember that last week we were told we were called out of darkness to be holy and blameless. And I think one of the real confusing things right now, especially from people in the public eye, and, and I mean, it could be that way for us if we go to work, but I think it's really confusing from people in the public eye is that they are religious, but they're not holy and blameless. Do you understand the difference? Like coming here is good. Thank you for doing that. But that is not the end goal is that you just come to church and that we say, well, yeah, we're religious, I'm devout. That's not it. Holy, separated, blameless, without defect. That in your life as you live for the Lord, you're not just giving lip service to it, you're giving life service to it. That's important. Because what the world is struggling with, right, is, is that we're getting mixed signals all the time. Oh, you can be a Christian and do all these things. Oh, you can be a Christian and talk this way. Oh, Christians do this, Christians do that, I tell you what Christians really should be doing, right, is that they ought to love God, love others, share the gospel, be holy. I mean, those are some baseline things, right, for us. And so there's an expectation that once you're brought into the family, I mean, the standard is Christ the Lord. Did any of you ever grow up with an older sibling that kind of did well in school and school was a little bit harder for you and you know, the standard was set high, right? And it was kind of like, man, I'm never gonna attain to that. I mean, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? I mean, the standard has been set high. The difference is we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help us live holy, 
to help us live blameless. We're not on our own. It's not just me trying to do it. It's the Lord working in and through me so that I can do it. And so as we're living out there, we're living so that we never harm the body of Christ, the universal church, but also the name of the Lord Jesus. That's important for us. There's an expectation that comes with being part of the family. But all of this stuff, all that God has given us, it's not quite been revealed yet. Can I read from Romans chapter 8 again? For I consider in verse 18 and 19, I consider the sufferings of the present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Verse 19, they're going to put it on the screen, this key verse right here. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. Why? In that moment, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a revealing. Do you remember us talking about this a little bit right around Christmas? We talked about that there was the parable of the wheat and the tares. And you remember that they were saying, well, shouldn't we maybe root out the people in the church who really aren't aren't of the faith. Like, should we do that? And Jesus said, no, because you, you, you'll pick out some of the good people too and, and cast them aside. And he said, at the last days, when I return, it's gonna be very obvious, right? Because judgment will come. And you won't have to worry about those who are just religious. It's going to be a revealing. And what are we going to be doing? We're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. We'll be doing that with him. We'll come back and we'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. And all of the earth is waiting for that. They're sick of corruption. Aren't you ready for government not to be corrupted anymore? Yes, right? I'm ready for that. Why is government corrupted? Because you're corrupted. I'm corrupted. Corrupted people act like corrupted people and they lead in corrupted ways. I mean, that's just the way that it is. Should we be surprised that a person who doesn't know Christ acts like a lost person? No, I don't know why we're surprised at that. Why would we be shocked by that? Oh my goodness, did you hear what they said? They're acting according to their nature. Our nature's been changed, right? When you met Jesus, your nature was changed. In that day, the government will rest upon his shoulders. It will be perfect and we'll be ruling with Christ. We'll be reigning with him as sons. We'll inherit these things that God has for us that he's promised with us uh, through the Holy Spirit to give to us and it'll be revealed in that day. So that, that kind of takes me back to this for a second. That ought to make every one of us who are believers do a couple of things. One, we ought to be excited about the relationship that we have with God the Father. Two, we ought to be excited about the fact that he's coming again and he's going to rule and reign. Christ is going to rule and reign and we'll be part of it. And three, that we've been adopted into this family ought to cause us to just praise the Lord. We ought to be excited about that that God would love us and make us part of his family. Now, what we're learning, again, through this passage of Scripture, and we've seen it literally every time that we're going to look at these blessings. Remember we talked about in Christ. Look at verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Christ. How do you get there? How do you get grace? lavished on you. How does it come to you? It, it only comes through Christ. It comes through Christ. Now, this isn't a surprise if you've been here for any length of time. 
At the end of almost every service that we ever do or somewhere in the preaching of the word, we compel people and encourage them to receive the gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins through Christ. If you've never done that today, I hope that you will. I hope that in this moment, you'll hear the Holy Spirit speaking because the Bible says that God is constantly in the business of saving people. And there's always room for one more at the table. Isn't that good to know? We're never gonna be full in here. The quota won't be filled up to say, oh, no, we got enough. Don't need any more. Nope, there's always room for one more. And God's grace comes to us through Christ today. God has loved you with an everlasting love. And he died on the cross in your place, in my place. As the scripture says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If we would confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never given your life to Christ today, do it. For believers in the room, would you thank the Lord that it's not just that you were saved, but it went a step further, you were adopted. Would you thank the Lord that you have the relationship with him where you can call him dad, father, to know him. He's not far off. He's here. Jesus has brought us close. We are sons, daughters, children of God. Praise him for that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you would save any of us Thank you for your mercy. And Father, I, I know that the salvation that you extend to any of us in this room is available for anyone who would be here this morning who doesn't know you. And I pray, Father, that as the Holy Spirit works and convicts people of sin, righteousness, and judgment, Father, that someone in the room would give their life to you today. And I pray for us as believers that you'd find us today living holy and blameless before you. Father, we dare not do anything to dishonor your people's name or your name. Thank you for calling us to be part of your family. Thanks for not leaving us on the outside but bringing us in and making us co-heirs with Christ. And we recognize that the creation's yearning and longing and straining and waiting for us to be revealed. And we wait for that day too with great anticipation. And we pray today, Father, come and come quickly. Father, right the wrongs. But until you do, may you find us faithful. Faithful, Lord, to preach your word, to share the gospel. Father, to praise you today. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.